Thanks for checking out the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. This is a conversation all about leadership, vision, and joining in God's activity wherever you are. You can find the show notes, links, and other helpful resources at hopechurchlv.com slash podcast, YouTube, or on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Well, what is up, podcast family, whether you are joining us via audio on your favorite podcasting app or for the second time ever, we are putting this on YouTube. So there's a video of Vance and I sitting here talking. Uh, We hope you are enjoying wherever you are leading currently, wherever God has you. My name is Scott Worthington. Uh, I have the privilege of leading alongside Pastor Vance in the beautiful city of Las Vegas. As you listen to this, it is July of 2021. Uh, We're recording this early. We'll explain that why in just a minute, but really thankful for you tuning in again, whether you're listening or you're watching on YouTube. Um, I am sitting down here in the green room of our new worship center with the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, This has become kind of a a fun thing that people mention to me from podcast listeners, but my pastor, my mentor, my friend, Pastor Vance Pittman. Vance, how's it going, man? How you doing? I am doing wonderful, and actually, for those that are watching or listening to this, I'm doing even better than I appear right now, (laughs) because as you are listening to this, I'm practicing some of the principles that we've taught uh, throughout the few years we've been doing the podcast about rest and and refuel, so I'm actually away right now on sabbatical, enjoying some extended time away uh, from the work to just refuel, refresh, uh, pour into my family. Um, and so we recorded some of these a little bit early yeah. before I got out of town. And so I'm doing good, but I'm really doing good. When in you real hear time. this, you are, you are really, really exactly, doing good. Exactly, because I'm just a few weeks in by the time you're listening yep. to this. So I've, all, I've, I've gotten to that point where I don't even remember what day it is. <laughs> and that's a really great place to be. Well, that's kind of what leads us into what we're talking about today, Vance. Um, we just celebrated uh, you and your, and your wife, Christy, and your family being here at Hope Church, planting Hope Church 20 years ago. Um, and so as a, as a part of that, um, we sent you on a, an extended sabbatical. And so you are gone for the majority of the summer um, just resting. And, um, and, and that's kind of what's leading to what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're going to give some very helpful advice um, to certain, a certain group of people, um, specifically about things you've learned in the trenches. These are things you came to me and, and you had jotted down 15 things every ministry leader needs to know. And really it's church planners and you're going to unpack that in just a minute. So as you're listening to this or watching this, um, mo- most of our episodes are geared towards leaders no matter where you're leading. We say wherever God has you leading. But sometimes, obviously with the work that Vance and I do, um, is is there's, there's things that are a little more geared towards uh, those in vocational ministry. And this is one, uh, 20 years in the trenches of church planning um, that God kind of put on Vance's heart one night, jotted some stuff down that we're going to talk about that you can unpack in just a minute, Vance. But um, out of that 20 years of planting Hope Church, you're on sabbatical right now. You're going to share today with our leaders really, really helpful, kind of short, bite-sized 15 things every ministry leader needs to know. Unpack that a little more for us. Yeah, and I'm sure some of our listeners panicked when you said 15 things because normally we do three <laughs> or four things. But we are going to go through these really quickly. I'm not going to dive deep into any of these. I'm just going to broad stroke mention them. Um, and, and, and as you said, these are geared toward those in vocational ministry. In particular, there are going to be a few of them that are really geared to church planters. Um, but I, I want you to know if you're watching or listening and you're in, in, in one of our listeners that, that, 
uh, listen to us regularly, there will be principles that you can glean out of this that are applicable regardless of where you are in leadership, whether that's in business, in education, in sports, in whatever fields you may be, in medicine. Um, but, but particularly, this, what I want to share, has been born largely out of what we do. We call it here at Hope, we call it M3. It's a three-day intensive that we do for church planters. We've now had 800-plus church planters that have gone through our M3 training. We take everything we've learned in 20 years of church planting and doing ministry in the context of a place like Las Vegas, and we dump that out in three days. So if you're interested, and, and what you hear today piques an interest, um, you can go to a website, makeandmultiply.org, and you can find out when the intensives are. We do them two or three times a year. And again, at the intensive, it's a three-day deep dive into what I'm going to share with you real briefly. And I'm not going to, we don't package it necessarily the way I'm going to give it to you in these 15 statements, but it's really born out of that. We've had planters come from all over the United States of America, from as far away as Africa, India, Brazil, Mexico, to be a part of this training. And so I just felt like it would be good for the Leadership Podcast to get this out here in a way and in a format that all of our listeners and leaders could benefit from. So one of the things that I really love, Vance, about you, um, and if anybody has listened or watched this podcast for any length of time, um, you're very strategic in your leadership. And so nothing you're going to hear today or watch today us unpack is going to be like, wow, I've never heard Vance say that before. As, as you sent me this list, I'm looking, and what I'm seeing is – I've been a part of the journey, the 20-year journey at Hope. I've been a part of it for about 13 or 14 years, and I see these things very clearly in the way you lead and in the way that you've planted Hope. And so uh, it's not that these are these new, maybe crazy things that you've never heard, but these are really cool foundational things that I think um, we've never packaged in this way. And so I'm really excited. Again, 15 statements, that's a lot for a 30-minute podcast. So we're just giving bite-sized things. Many of them uh, we've unpacked in, in other episodes, really gone and deep-dived in, and maybe um, we'll do that in the future, taking some of these that, that pique your interest the most as listeners. You can let us know that, and we can dive deeper into that. But M3 would be a great resource. Again, makeandmultiply.org. Also, you can hit up Vance uh, and his DMs on Instagram or Twitter, um, and he can get you the information for that. But um, M3 would be a great uh, tool and a resource if, 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 this, if this is just like everything you need to hear right now in your ministry. But Vance, let's go ahead and jump in. Middle of summer, 15 kind of hot takes on some things you've learned along the way in ministry. Yeah, and the first one is not going to surprise anybody. Anybody who knows me, anybody who listens to me, anybody who I've walked with for any length of time at all is going to know this first one. But the first one is the primary call is to intimacy, not ministry. Everything Jesus desires to do through your life, he'll do out of the overflow of what he's doing in your life. When he called his first disciples, when he called those first leaders that he was going to pass on the ministry to in Mark chapter 3, it says when he called them in verse 14, he appointed 12, and then here's this phrase, so that they might be with him. And then it says, and he might send them out to preach. It was his desire to do something through them, but he first invited them to be with him. And everything he was going to accomplish through them, he was going to accomplish out of the overflow of intimacy with him. And if we're not careful, in ministry and in leadership, ministry leadership becomes the great love affair that woos us away from intimacy with Jesus and opens us up to everything 
uh, every sin under heaven. Things we never thought we would do, we become capable of doing apart from intimacy with Jesus. And that's why Jesus gave us this instruction. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, that means anything, nothing. But it definitely includes leadership. And so when it comes to leadership, when it comes to pastoral ministry, when it comes to church planning, but really anybody in any area of ministry or leadership as a follower of Jesus, everything Jesus desires to do through your life, he'll do out of the overflow of what he's doing in your life. So pursue intimacy with Jesus. That's number one. Number two, it's not faith until you hear from God. I can't tell you how many times I hear people in leadership say, well, I'm really not sure, Scott, what God's calling me to do, so I'm just going to step out in faith. Well, that's not faith. That's presumption on God, and it's a dangerous way to live your life and to lead your family. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, meaning faith is a response that I have to having heard from God. And when you're talking about particularly ministry leadership and church planting, this starts with the call of God on your life. You must hear definitively the call of God on your life and then respond to that. Church planting and pastoral ministry is not a job you try out. It's not a thing you go attempt. It's a response. It's a faith response to a call from God. And here's why that matters so much. When you understand God's called you, on the days that you want to quit, you cannot stop what you didn't start. Now, I've said this a thousand times, man. If I had chosen to plant a church in Las Vegas, I would have quit a long time ago because it's been hard. It's been difficult. It's been challenging. But you can't stop what you didn't start. I heard God speak, and my response to that has been faith. And the bottom line is it's not faith until you hear from God, which means faith demands intimacy. We must cultivate an intimate fellowship with the Father where we're hearing His voice and then responding in faith. So it's not faith till you hear from God. The uh, Real quick, Vance. Yep. The, um if, if you're interested more in that, Vance preached a great sermon here at Hope on May 23rd. You can go back on YouTube um, or on our podcast uh, on this idea of presumption on God. And you really kind of unpack that for our church, this idea of if it's not, it's not faith if you hadn't heard from God. So if, you, if that piques your interest, uh, May 23rd, the sermon there that Vance preached on acceptable sins, it's kind of what we labeled that. You can go find that, but it was a great message really on that same topic. Yeah. Number three, the church is not the goal. We have in the church in America made the church the end all be all. We've made it the, the, the thing that we're all about. And ultimately the church is not the goal. And don't hear me say that and think, well, Vance is not a, a church guy. No, I am a church guy. The church is the institution, the organization, the uh, unit that Jesus established for the accomplishment of his mission in the world. It is the tool Jesus gave us to accomplish his mission in the world. But his mission in the world is not just about the church. His mission in the world is about the kingdom. There are over 100 references in 16 different chapters in the New Testament to the kingdom of God. Um, and I would submit to you, if God says something one time in the Bible, it's important. But if he says it over 100 times in 16 different books of the New Testament, Scott, we better lean into that one and pay close attention. And when I say the kingdom of God, I'm defining it as God's sovereign activity in the world resulting in people being in right relationship with himself. The kingdom is the big picture of what God is doing in the world. When, when, when the world as we know it comes to an end, what's going to be left is the kingdom of God representing every tribe, tongue, people, and nation 
in eternity reigning with King Jesus. And the local church is a temporary tool established by Jesus for the expansion of the kingdom. And so the church is to be leveraged for the sake of the kingdom being expanded in cities and nations all over the world. The church is not the ultimate measure. Leveraging the church for the expansion of the kingdom is the ultimate measure. If you had me, I'm going to tell three in. Pastor Vance Pittman is pretty passionate about this, <laughs> which I love. And again, this is, you teach this, you've been teaching these things for years. We never packaged them this way. But yeah. um, if you're not watching, you can kind of just see Vance is starting to get a little preachy. You got to bring a pulpit for him here. <laughs> but right. it's, 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 I'm going to take an offering from Scott <laughs> at the end. <laughs> it's things that, that God just done in him. And, and I appreciate your passion, Vance. What's that fourth one? The fourth one is that churches plant churches. Um, I've been walking with church planters for over two decades now, and a lot of church planters have the idea, and a lot of pastors of sending churches have the idea that church planters planting a church. But the, the reality is living things reproduce themselves. Churches plant churches. I came here 20 years ago with my family to, be a, to join in God's activity of planting Hope Church in Las Vegas. But I've said over and over and over again, Vance Pittman didn't plant Hope Church. First Baptist Church of Woodstock, Georgia, planted Hope Church. Mm -hmm. Living things reproduce themselves. And so the first conversation I have with a church planter, when they say, hey, man, I think God's called me to plant a church, is who's your sending church? Because if you don't have a sending church, then you're not going to plant a church. That's not a biblical methodology. Are there exceptions to that rule? Are there examples? You can say, well, this guy planted a church, and he didn't have a sending. There are examples. But what I'm telling you is the biblical missiology Every church Paul planted, Paul was sent out of a church as a sending church to be his covering, his spiritual authority, to, to be about reproducing and multiplying that church. So churches plant churches. Individuals don't. Networks don't. Denominations don't. Churches plant churches. The fifth one, prayer is the work. When, when we came to Las Vegas, literally, we had no idea what we'd come here to do. I mean, 20, over 20 years ago, we moved here. Um, church planning wasn't near as sexy as it is now. There weren't many of the organizations that now exist uh, didn't exist back then um, that, that support and train and resource church planting. We literally didn't have a clue what we were supposed to do. The advantage we had is we didn't have a clue what we were supposed to do. So much like the early church in the book of Acts, they were so desperate, they locked themselves in a room for 10 days and prayed and sought the will of God then the Holy Spirit came, and or they locked themselves in a room for however many days it was, and then they, it looked like Peter preached for 10 minutes, and in 10 minutes of preaching, God did this unbelievable thing, but it was born out of that prayer moment that they had in the upper room. So it, when, when we birthed our church, God birthed a rally cry that said, we don't pray before we work, prayer is the work, and then God works. Mm -hmm. Understanding prayer is not what we do um, to invite God's blessing onto our activity, Prayer is the means by which we join in with what God's doing. We discover God's will. We find out God's heart through the process of prayer. Prayer is the most important thing that we will do as we join in God's activity. And what's happened in the church in America is we've relegated prayer, particularly corporate prayer, to moments of transition when we move people onto and off of a stage. We don't pray to pray anymore. We simply pray to move people or to, to, to get people to close their eyes so we can change the set on screen. But here's what we've, we know at Hope. 
At Hope Church, we've discovered that when we seek God in prayer, we experience God in power. And so to, to, to give back the priority to praying together as the family of God, prayer is the work. So that's number five. One of the things that, that I've appreciated um, about Hope and it's changed my life is um, that that wasn't just when it was just a few of you guys and your families in a house. Um, of co- you could almost say, well, of course these guys need prayer. They ain't got nothing. Yeah. But here we are, you know, this beautiful facility and God's, you know, saved thousands of people. And, and that's not to brag on anybody but God, but prayer is still the work. I Absolutely. Mean, well, we did it Sunday. Yesterday we, we had a service and, and we literally stopped the music and we just opened the altars and people come to pray. And we are still as desperate for God today as we've ever been. Um, whether there's thousands of people in in the auditorium or 18 people in your in your yeah. living room, so I appreciate that is not just um, you know fancy talk for church planners when when it's small. Um, that is a lifestyle that we continue to press into as a church. So. Yeah, every weekend at Hope Church, we carve out eight to ten minutes in our corporate worship service, and we lead the church in scripture fed, spirit led, praying together, uh, because we just believe that prayer is the work. Yeah. Number six, church planting can be lonely, but it should never be done alone. Uh, When you study missiology in the New Testament, particularly church planting missiology, the Apostle Paul is the greatest example we can look to. And I love that every time you read the name Paul in the Bible, almost every time the next word is and. Mm -hmm. Because Paul never went anywhere by himself. It was always Paul and Timothy or Paul and Barnabas or Paul and Silas or Paul and a whole list of people that went with him. But Paul was the greatest church planner, maybe one of the greatest ministry leaders, particularly in the world of missiology we've ever seen. And yet Paul never did anything alone. He always did it with a team. There's tons of reasons why we can talk about the team's importance, but the principle is We need to have a team around us. So if you're someone who's leading, you're engaging in ministry and in leadership, don't lead by yourself. Leading can be lonely. Church planting can be lonely. But it should never be done alone. Rounding out. We're almost halfway, folks. Hope hope you're leaning in. There we go. Number seven, church planting is about a city, not a church. And what I mean by that is a lot of what's called church planting today is really not church planting. It's starting church services. Mm. Uh, If you were to imagine three boxes, one on top of the other, uh, and in those three boxes were were words. The top box has the word plant a church. The middle box has the word make disciples. And the bottom box has the word engage the city. Typical church planting in North America starts with the top box. You go in and you plant a church. You find a storefront, you rent a facility, you send out a mailer, you get your sleek pulpit, you tell them why your church is going to be different than every other church, you invite a bunch of people to come and you start a church service. Then you move to the second box, which is trying to make disciples out of the people who are now coming to the church so that you can ultimately get to the third box of establishing ministries to engage the city with the gospel. The problem with that is it's missiologically upside down. If you look in the New Testament at how Paul planted churches and you study church planting movements globally, it's exactly the opposite. You start by, like Paul did in Acts 16 in Philippi, you start by engaging the city with the gospel. Uh, Through domains and streams of culture, you engage a city with the gospel. And then disciples begin to be made out of engaging cities with the gospel. And ultimately then churches are born. And that makes sense because Jesus never said anywhere in the New Testament, go plant a church. Jesus said, 
go into the cities and nations, make disciples. And Jesus said, I will build my church. Then what we do is we send people out of the churches that have been planted to go back into the city or into new cities and begin the process all over, engaging cities with the gospel that they can make disciples and then churches are born as a byproduct of that. So church planning is not about a city, or excuse me, it's about a city and not about a church. Number eight, there's only one number that matters. You get a group of pastors, ministry leaders, church planners together, and they start comparing numbers very fast. Like you let two pastors hang out for more than 10 minutes, and I promise you they're talking about how many did you have Sunday? What do you run? How many people came? You get some ministry leaders together about an event. How many came? What was the number? What was the attendance? We love to talk about those numbers, but there's really only one number that matters, and here it is, the percentage of lostness in your city. And if in hearing that as a ministry leader or church planter, you don't know the percentage of lostness in your city, you're already focused on the wrong thing. Mm. Like you need to know what is it. When I moved to Las Vegas in, in December of 2000, our city was 95% non-Christian. 95% non-Christian. Today, we're 92% non-Christian. Now, three, you say that's only 3% that the needle's been moved. Listen, 3% is not a lot, but 3% represents a lot of people. It's a lot of souls. When you're talking about millions of people in a city, and it's moving the number in the right direction. Because at the end of the day, if all we're doing is moving people from one church to another church to another church, that's not kingdom expansion. It may be church growth, but it's not expanding the kingdom in a city. It's not penetrating the lostness of a city. And every one of us as pastors, ministry leaders, church planters should have a consuming passion to see the percentage of lostness in our city going down. And one church can't do that by itself, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. But collectively, as Hope Church partners with other churches in the valley here in Las Vegas, we're moving the needle of the percentage of lostness, and that needs to be what drives us as ministry leaders. Number nine, kingdom expansion means more than more people go to church. Um, and here's what I mean by that. When, when, when the kingdom is expanding in a city, yes, people are being saved. Yes, more people are going to church. But when we're talking about holistic kingdom expansion, if the real goal, Scott, is not just growing a church but expanding God's kingdom in a city, when the kingdom of God expands in a city, then that city becomes a better place to live. When I think about 20 years of Hope Church in Las Vegas, the fostering situation in Las Vegas is infinitely better now because of what God's doing through, through Hope Church in the city. Uh, the, the fight against human trafficking is, is really being challenged. We're, 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 we're pushing back darkness in that arena. Um, the poverty and homelessness are being addressed. The educational domain is being changed. Why is that? Because there are things that are the desires of God for a city that are also the dreams and aspirations of a city that God has uniquely gifted the church to accomplish as a part of the kingdom being expanded in the city. And so when the kingdom is expanding in a city, it means more than more people go to church. It means that the city is being transformed holistically. So pastors and church planters, we need to ask ourselves the question, if our church was taken out of the community tomorrow, would anybody but our members or attenders notice or even care? Like, are we literally partners? Are we a part of the city? Are we engaged in the city in serving the city? And that's what kingdom expansion is really all about. Number 10, multicultural 
expressions of the gospel are not a new thing. They're a New Testament thing. I know there's a lot of conversation out there today about multicultural church and what that looks like. And it's almost like that's the new way to say contemporary church or um, organic church. It's like it's the new trendy church word. But the bottom line is multicultural expressions of the gospel are not a new thing. It's a New Testament thing. If you go back to the New Testament, on the first day the gospel was preached in Acts, there were 15 different geographical locations spanning from North Africa through the Middle East all the way to Rome, representing dozens of languages and cultures that came to Jesus on day one of the church. By the time you get to Acts chapter 11 and you see the birth of the church in Antioch, the first church among the Gentiles, then you get to Acts 13 where they name elders for the church at Antioch. You find that there are elders from two were from Africa, one was from the Mediterranean, one was from the Middle East, and one was from Asia Minor. So you see in the New Testament multicultural expressions of the gospel, and the reason is because the gospel is no respecter of persons. If you plan a church engaging a city with the gospel, here's what I can promise you. The church is going to reflect the community because the gospel doesn't pick over different cultures. But when you start with a church service, you start with a culture and you establish a culture and then you invite people to it, you're going to wind up with what most churches are in America, which is homogenous. But when you start with a city and you engage that city with the gospel, then the, the church becomes a reflection of the community, which means if the church that I'm leading, the ministry that I'm pastoring does not reflect the community that we're serving that reveals a deep missiological issue with how we're engaging community and culture with the gospel. Man, so that's 10 so far. Hope you're still buckled in and listening. If you're a church planner, a ministry leader, I know we are really kind of hitting some, some high-level things that maybe have you trying to take notes. You can always go back and listen to this again. Um, again, these are, these are 20 years in the trenches to come up with these 15 things. Vance, we got five more. Unpack those last five for us. Yeah, number 11 is it's about sending capacity, not seating capacity. And that's not original with me. Uh, I first heard Rick Warren say that years ago uh, about the church there at Saddleback. I've heard J.D. Greer uh, use that, and J.D. even wrote a book, uh, Gaining by Losing, that's about this principle. But too many times in the church we're consumed with how many people can we get in the building? What is our seating capacity? How many can we hold? What's our attendance? When the real metric of, of kingdom and gospel movement is sending capacity. If it really is that the local church is not the goal, the kingdom being expanded is the goal, then what's the church's role? The church's role exists as a temporary tool established by Jesus to teach people, uh, to introduce people to King Jesus, disciple them in kingdom living, and then send them out for the expansion of God's kingdom locally and globally. And maybe you're pushing back on that idea of the church being a temporary tool, but let me prove it to you. The church is a temporary tool and here's the proof. Every church that's ever been planted uh, by Paul is now dead and gone. Uh, all the churches in the New Testament, those churches, I've sat, I've stood personally in the remains of the church at Ephesus. It doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. But the kingdom of God's alive and well. To the degree that the church at Ephesus was leveraged for the expansion of the kingdom, man, its legacy and its life lives on. The church that I pastor, that I've planted, is one day going to die. But the kingdom lives on. So our responsibility is to teach people about the king, disciple them in kingdom living, and then not just leverage them for the sake of building our own empire, but to be about sending them out for the expansion of the kingdom locally and globally. The church should be a launching pad for the gospel 
to the ends of the earth. Mm. And that should be celebrated in the context of a church. Number 12 is you can't outgive God. Uh, man, there is such liberty in understanding this principle that you simply cannot outgive God. As you study the Bible, as you really think about the gospel, the core message of the gospel is a message of generosity. What does the Bible tell us in John 3:16? For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He gave his only begotten son. The heartbeat of the gospel reveals the generosity of our Father. And as you and I become followers of Jesus, in particular, as we get into the arenas of leadership, and I want to talk specifically to pastors and church planters, pastors and church planters are often guilty of standing and preaching and teaching people to give, but then we don't live that out as a fellowship. We're not living with everything God's given us, holding it loosely uh, on our fingertips, looking for opportunities to make a difference in the lives of others. And at Hope, we teach this principle of generosity really with two key phrases, always a portion, sometimes a sacrifice. God's called us to give always a portion of what he's given to us, but sometimes he calls us to deep sacrificial giving. But here's the principle. When you live that way, you cannot outgive God. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. Paul said, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But he said that to a fellowship that was living out radical kingdom generosity. So you cannot outgive God. Number 13, one church can't reach a city by itself. Doesn't matter how great that church is, how fast that church is growing. When our church was about four years old, we broke the thousand barrier, three and a half years old, and we did a study and discovered that by 2035, which was about 35, 30 years in the future, if we continued to grow at that clip, we'd average 35,000 in weekend attendance. But by 2035, demographers say there'll be three and a half million people living in Las Vegas, which means we could be one of the fastest growing churches in North America, the largest church in our own city, but we wouldn't penetrate the lostness of our city by even 1%. Mm. But if we started five churches every five years and they started five churches every five years and we simply did that to 2035, we could plant over 10,000 churches. And if each of them just reached 250 people with the gospel, that's two and a half million people. That's kingdom expansion. So one church can't reach a city by itself. If we have a true kingdom vision, we must have a plan and give priority to the multiplication of the church. It is a tragic reality that there are churches all across North America that have never reproduced and multiplied. They've never started a church out of that church. It's an indictment against the church that we think it's all about us and we're not about sending out to multiply and plant churches so one church can't reach a city by itself. Number 14, and these last two get a little bit personal, but number 14, take care that you don't win the world and lose your family. Um, when we came to Las Vegas 20 years ago, that was somebody asked me, what's your biggest fear? That was my biggest fear, that we'd somehow win the city and lose our family. I so knew we'd heard from God. I knew that God called us here. There was going to be a church planted. But, man, I didn't want to lose my kids along the way, especially in a place like Vegas where they have access to anything and everything under heaven. Um, and so my wife and I just maintained some real uh, intentionality, some authenticity, and some honesty in our home. And we built some boundaries that just made sure we, obviously, my kids aren't perfect. They've made bad decisions. And there's no way we can guarantee the outcome of our kids. But what I didn't want to do was be 20 years in and look back with regret and say, man, my kids didn't turn out. And it's because I prioritized the ministry over my family. 
Um, so we built these boundaries in place to not win the world and lose our family. And by God's grace, uh, man, we had a moment a few weeks ago that Scott really was key to arranging where uh, we had a dinner where my kids spoke to my wife and I in celebration of 20 years. And each one of them just articulated back to us the impact that this journey has been on their lives, both uh, in their marriage and their walk with Jesus uh, and them being parents now, some of them, uh, and, and just the way that they're, they're pursuing Christ. And to see all four of my kids in love with Jesus, serving in his church, honoring of their own families, or pursuing uh, Christ's likeness in the right way was just so rewarding for me personally. So take care that you don't win the world and lose your family. And then here's the last one. Jesus focused more on succession than he did on success. When you look at the ministry of Jesus, when he finished his three and a half years of public ministry, there was nothing about his platform that would have got him invited to be the keynote speaker at any conference anywhere in the country. Mm. Um, he had 120 followers. Um, they had no buildings. They had no impact. He hadn't written any books. Um, Jesus spent his three and a half years of public ministry focused more on succession than he did on success. And that's why when he passed the baton to Peter, James, and John in Acts chapter 2, the church exploded and you saw this movement begin. And I think too often for pastors, ministry leaders, church planners in an American context, we're so focused on success in our lifetime that we don't give any time, energy, and effort to what succession really is supposed to look like. And I think an element of Christ's likeness and spiritual leadership is giving priority to succession. So there they are, 15 Dude, things. You did it, man. There that, we go. That was a list right there. Again, if you're a ministry leader, church planner, um, that could take a long time to sit over a meal or two or three with Vance and kind of have him unpack that. But we just thought it would be helpful to kind of start the conversation, 15 things that are just powerful uh, for you as a ministry leader. So Vance, thanks for modeling these. Um, and if you have questions on those, we've always told you how to get a hold of us. Uh, you can DM us, you can email us, let us know how we can maybe speak into some of these more. And we use some of those, that conversation and communication with you to kind of come up with other, uh, like, man, we're getting a lot of hits on this one area. Let's do an episode on that. So if one of these things or two or three of these things really stood out to you, let us know. We'd love to maybe do an episode if the demand is there, um, on one of these specific things, but Vance, anything Final before we, we close it out for the month of July. I was just going to emphasize the what you just said. If there's one of the things that I mentioned here that stands out to you, that you'd, you'd say, man, I wish you guys would do a deep dive episode on just that one thing. Well, I'd love to do that. Let yep. us hear from you. Shoot yep. me an email. Hit us up on social media. Let us know that. Any one of these 15, uh, we'd be happy to do a deep dive on. And then secondly, just as a reminder, um, this really is a bulk of the content of this M3. And so M3 is designed for people that have an interest in church planting, particularly in the West, but it's open to anyone. So we've had pastors, ministry leaders. Uh, if you're even thinking about church planting or you want as ascending church to understand it, go to makeandmultiply.org, register. We have one coming up in September. We'd love to have you be a part of that here with us in Las Vegas. Uh, make sure you rate and review the podcast or, or give us a, a thumbs up on YouTube. Um, let us know how we can serve you better. We'll be back in August for another great episode of the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. Thanks again for joining us today for the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard, we would love to help spread the word. You can drop a comment on YouTube, leave a review on your favorite podcast app, or share this episode on your social media. Thanks again for joining us.